Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel and author Jonathan Eig talk about this week's Torah portion of Shalach the threads that bind. Do you remember getting your talit before your bar mitzvah? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, my grandparents brought it back from Israel, and uh, it was very special to me, not just because it uh, came from my grandparents, but also from Israel. And uh, was, you know, uh, putting it on for the first time was, uh, was a really big moment for me. What did it look like? Um, it was white with blue and silver, and they had, of course, had the, the, the fringes, and it came in like a blue velvet bag with gold lettering on it, probably uh, a very um, popular design at the time in the 1970s. I, I understand that you're also passing this down, that your 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 daughters also use this. Yeah, Lola's going to be wearing it at her bat mitzvah in a, just a few weeks. That's pretty I'm very neat. excited. I'm very proud That's of that. That's very powerful. Yeah. It is it's very powerful. Wow, it really is from generation to generation. I remember getting a talit from my grandfather, and uh, it was a huge deal to me. It was a it was like you blue bag, gold. They had the lions of Judah, which I thought was so cool. And then I opened it up, and then there was this uh, uh, talit that had gold lettering. And I just I remember putting it on the night before my bar mitzvah, and sort of modeling it, and it was just it was a huge deal. I think most people who receive a talit um, have that kind of that that sense that this is there's something very powerful about all this. The commandment for talit for the tzitzit, the fringes on the corners, is actually in our portion this week. And what's interesting about it is that the focus is not so much on the fringes, but on a thread of blue. And to really appreciate, you have to know a little bit about about the history. So if you go to um, the Oriental Institute, you'll see a bust of Hammurabi, who was a great, great, powerful leader in the time of Abraham. But if you look carefully at his at the bust of him, actually, I think it's on a relief of the code of Hammurabi, his legal code. But if you look carefully, you'll see that his toga is is, is filled with fringes, because in the ancient world, Fringes were uh, a status symbol. I mean, to this day, a general will wear epaulets on, on their shoulders, you know, and you'll see the fringes. That's a, that's a vestige of that. Yeah, and if you've uh, seen the Broadway show Oklahoma, you know that a surrey with a fringe on top is much more impressive to your, to your girl who you want to take to the dance than just a plain old surrey with no fringes. <laughs> I can always depend on you for, for popular culture. No, I would never. I would never. I would. I would never say dumbing anything. <laughs> you might think it though. But I no. Far <laughs> be it. Far be it from me, because you know the Torah wouldn't be the Torah without a surrey with a fringe on top. Of there course. you go. Thank All right. you. So anyway, here's the thing: the Torah is not in the fringes, but a particular fringe, which is what's called the patil techelet, a thread of blue which is the mitzvah. The commandment is that you have to have a thread of blue in every corner. It doesn't matter how many other fringes you have. You have to have this thread of blue. And more, it's not just the king or the royalty or the people who are on the top of the heap status-wise. It's for everyone. Every Israelite needed to have a thread of blue, no matter where you were on the socioeconomic, whether you, wherever you were on the kind of the social register, you had to have a thread of blue. And what I want to suggest to you is that this is a watershed moment where this is the first case where human equality, the value of every human being, is acknowledged in any society that I'm aware of. 
That's really interesting that, you know, we're talking about something superfluous, something uh, the fringe that a little bit showy to begin with. But now we're saying they all have to be the same. I find that really interesting. I mean, what would it be like? Let's just like play this out for a minute. What would it be like if every American had on their garment, let's just say uh, a patch that had an American flag on it? Right. So we see it, you know, baseball players and, you know, people have pins. But actually, American citizens, every American citizen had to wear a patch with the American flag on it. Every one of us. What would that mean in this country? That's a really interesting question. I would imagine some people would immediately uh, protest that idea that we all have to be alike, that we all have to, you know, wear some kind of a uniform or an identification. Um, um, on the other hand, maybe it would be something that brought us a shared of a sense of shared community. I don't know. First of all, I'm not suggesting that we even try to to to, to put this forward. I'm simply saying that's going back to the founding of this country, right? That this was just part of what made you an American. You, everybody had to wear this because it was a sign that you were a citizen. It was a sign that you were part of this country and that every American, no American was more American than the next person, right? Mm-hmm. It might prevent us from pointing and say, well, you don't really love this country. You're too critical or you stand for that. You can't possibly be a good American. Right. Yeah. But some people would get bigger flags than others on their garments and would brag that they were more American than others. Well, I, yeah. But you but everybody has this one thing. And I think that's exactly what was going on in Israelite society. That in the eyes of God, everyone had value, everyone. And so it was an outward sign that um, you could not demean another person based upon their station of birth or anything else. Right. And that's a really interesting question, how that we all are seen by God. And more than that, the color purple, this color of this purplish blue, right? We still have the notion of royal blue in the palette of colors is the idea that that was the color of royalty. So every Israelite was wearing a thread of the color of royalty, which says that, you know, every one of us is in a, in a sense has merit, has some set, have, has a thread of royalty about them. I think it's just a very powerful and, and meaningful idea. You matter. Yeah, it is powerful and meaningful. And, it, and it, it does seem to be an egalitarian idea that no matter what kind of fancy car you're driving or how expensive the rest of your clothes are, we are all wearing this and that there's, you know, there's none is better than the next. Yeah, I'm thinking about your work on Dr. King. So I'm just thinking about, well, let's say that the founding father said you had to wear some facsimile of the American flag and on your garment. And then you have the Emancipation Proclamation where people of color are starting to wear them. And I think that in some ways it is an outward sign, but also looking at it, it's also an inward message, which is what's my responsibility as an American. Certainly that's what that's the other message that's going on in the portion. That you look at this thread of blue and the commandments very specific. It says, Uri Temotam, you will look at them and you will remember to do my commandments. In other words, you're going to remember what it means to be a responsible Israelite. Right? You have a responsibility beyond yourself. It's not so well, good for you. You're an American. You were born to this 
But no, there's a whole responsibility that goes with it that the Torah is also underscoring. And, you know, again, this American example, what are my responsibilities as an American? Yeah, that's a great question. It seems like it's in part an attempt to avoid tribalism. Uh, you know, you mentioned the civil rights movement and when, when black soldiers came back from World War II in their uniforms, what could be better proof that Americans that of all color had sacrificed for this country, that Americans of all color had fought for democracy and freedom, that Americans of all color were equal. And yet in the South, some black people were lynched because white people couldn't stand the sight of a black man in an American uniform. So it's it's not always easy to overcome these um, notions of superiority that one group sees themselves as better than the next. I think so. And it's something we're not taught. It's interesting that I've never really thought about this before, but I grew up, as I'm sure you did, starting my day in school by saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever thought about it. I don't. I think it was just something we did. I remember putting my hand over my heart. I can recite it to this day. But this notion of, well, what does that actually mean and what, what responsibilities does that lay upon me? That's a very interesting question. And what if, what if I had to wear something each time? Or what if I had to actually hold on to a three threads when I said it? That's what we're doing as Jews, right? When we gather in our synagogues and we're wearing it, now the mitzvah that's in the Torah meant you're going to wear that all the time. It was on your four corners of your garment. And remember, you're talking about a toga. So those garments actually had four corners. So we wear the prayer shawl to kind of symbolize that. But what we're actually doing is we're kind of gathering up the four corners and we're thinking about, we're looking at these fringes and we are being reminded about our responsibilities. So it's a very, very interesting issue about what would that mean as Americans if you had to gather the these red, white, and blue threads and hold those and put them over your heart and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag and I have to maintain the, the red, white, and blue as well. Right. Well, the power of what's in the Torah is that it's all inclusive, that there are no exceptions and you're not punished uh, if you commit a crime by no longer being allowed to wear the talit and to have these threads. Right. It, it's universal and it, it sends a powerful message in that way. And, and that's something that um, we've struggled with here in America because we, we like to carve out exceptions and certain people were not allowed to be seen as full citizens. And I, I really love the message that this sends. And, and I like what you said about gathering up the four corners that we're all in this together. What's interesting, by the way, is that I mean, historically, the formula for the color of that thread of blue was actually made from a shellfish, not to be eaten, but to be kind of crushed. And the dye was taken from this particular shellfish. Now, what happened was that they couldn't find it anymore in the Mediterranean. Maybe they had they thought it was extinct. So what happens is there's a really interesting transition. Well, they don't say, well, okay, well, let's try this color dye, which would have been made a lot more sense. But the rabbis did was they said, well, let's do it this way. We're going to create this intricate knotting system that's going to remind us of the 613 commandments. And so every time you look at them, you're going to be reminded to do the commandments. And every Jew has that same command, that same sense of responsibility. So Whereas Americans, we tend to think about rights, like what's my, I have a right to free speech, right? I have a right to gather. I have a right to practice my religion, that we tend to think about our American citizenship in terms of rights. Jews think about their citizenship, if you will, in terms of responsibility. 
What are my responsibilities? Every time I look up, pick up the tzitzit, these are my responsibilities. This is on me. It's a very important distinction to be made. Yeah, and democracy was founded on that sense of collective responsibility. That's why we had a draft when when the country was um, under great stress and threat. Um, and we've maybe lost a little bit of that sense of, of community and responsibility. Uh, we seem to be living through a, an age of increased selfishness and individualism. But maybe there's a reminder here that, that we are all you know, threaded together. It's all about me. <laughs> right. That's what that's the world we're living in now. It's a challenge. And I think there's that the Torah has an important lesson about what does it mean to be inclusive? What does it mean to look at your fellow American or your fellow citizen as an equal, right? It doesn't matter what car you're driving or where you live, but we all have that. And you see it every time, right? And every time you look at the person there, it's right there. I'm part of this. We desperately need some signal uh, to continue to remind us that we're all human. We all have uh, God-given, not God-given rights, but we also have God-given worth. And I think at the end, that's kind of the most essential message of the command for tzitzit. No, I couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you.